0: Listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Damian Parson and Blake Murphy. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, and welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast. This is me at Blake Murphy Seven, and we're gonna be talking here today about the Cardinals versus the Seahawks. Got. Mookie Alexander from uh, Field Goals, I believe, is going to be here. Um, I I am pronouncing everything with that correctly, right? I always have to check. Yeah, you got it all right. Oh, that's great. I'm doing so much better than I used to be. Uh, We're going to talk at least with the Seattle Seahawks, who are probably one of the, if not the biggest surprises in the NFL, or at least maybe the actual biggest surprise uh with the Denver Broncos is also tied to the Seahawks but before i begin um mookie how are you and the seattle fans doing cuz right now it's like there's a lot of love there's playoffs for the first time in seattle like it gino has been playing super well it feels like that there's a lot of things going seattle fans way
1: yeah well, not everything if we had recorded this uh like earlier in the week before the astro series it started um there, there might have been a much more upbeat feeling but um you know, I'm not a baseball guy per se, but I have been watching the Mariners the last few games, and uh, maybe it's me they shouldn't pitch to uh, that Jordan Alvarez guy anymore because it's gone very poorly yeah. for them. And it's them two he's, games and probably the series.
0: He's very good, yes. That's right now as we're recording this. They've just finished uh, the Astros-Mariners game on a Thursday night. Astros won, which means that the Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks do not know if they're going to have their kickoff time moved yet or not. Um, we'll get to see at least if that's the case. Um yeah. Otherwise let's, let's talk a little bit, at least about this. You've got a Cardinals team that has essentially maybe not lived quite up to expectations, but a Seattle Seahawks team that has certainly exceeded theirs. Um, so let's talk about what is really centered about Seattle trades. Russell Wilson, the longtime quarterback and Geno Smith takes over. And if you had told me that Gino was the player starting with the Broncos and Russ was still in Seattle, I would have almost believed you instead It's been shocking. So last week I asked this to the Philly fans, said, hey, is Jalen Hurts the real MVP right now? I guess I'll do the same thing to you, Kevin Durant style. Is Geno Smith like the real NFL MVP right now with how he's playing?
1: You know what? If this defense was even mediocre instead of one of the worst in the league, Geno would genuinely be getting an an MVP case right now because he's been that good. Um, Really, there's only been one game where he didn't play well, and that was uh, against the 49ers. But Nobody's playing playing well against the Forty It is a miracle that the Bears got 19 points off of them and scored three touchdowns because everybody else is struggling to score against them entirely. Um, but yes, Geno leads the league in completion percentage. And while uh, there's the Sam Bradford route to completion percentage, or or Drew Brees, late career Drew Brees getting 71 or 72% completion while barely throwing the ball beyond five yards, Geno's been pushing it ever since the Falcons game, which is when they supposedly opened up the playbook. Geno's been... Pushing the ball down the field. He's been making some elite throws, you know, the kind that made him such a high draft pick in the 2013 draft and, and why people were excited out, uh, about him when he was in West Virginia. His, his completion percentage, over expected, is the best in the league. So he's not just being, you know, a, a check down Charlie and just taking easy throws. He is making difficult throws. He's making the right reads. He has been, his accuracy has totally blown me away. It's like Wilson never left. It's like the best of Russell Wilson never left. And uh, there, there are not too many complaints I can think of uh, for, for Geno Smith uh, in terms of how he's performed, what he's done within the offense. He is, uh, He's staying within the offensive system. He's not trying to, to ad-lib too much. And when he does, it's been successful. Um, and for those who are concerned, and I certainly was one of them, about the potential drop-off for Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, but Metcalf has taken him a bit to get going, but for Tyler Lockett, 406 yards receiving is the best start to his career through, through uh, the first five games of a season. And nobody would have expected that.
0: Yeah, no, that's been one of the things that I think you've said has been that most teams at least had an idea. That this could have been who Geno Smith was a lot of question marks. Ultimately were surrounding his game. We've only seen a couple of quarterbacks who like late in their thirties or so have been able to make it in the NFL. Um, you can look at like a guy like Kurt Warner said he had to develop for a long period of time, kind of came in, ultimately as a backup quarterback out of nfl europe and then geno smith at age 34 now ends up taking the reins and like you've said he's having a incredible season thus far i mean he's right now i believe uh third in the nfl just in yards per pass thrown with about 8.3 yards or so he's going deep to lockett going deep to metcalf um he's throwing in ways russell wilson has not before and like you said i think the biggest thing that's interesting for a lot of people are looking at this and You know, remembering at least of how you can see some quarterbacks get to fast start, some it peters out. I think a lot of people are looking at the Seahawks team and thought this is going to be like, you know, a team that's going to be looking for a top three draft pick, having another pick from Russ. Now instead it's looking more of like the Broncos may end up with a high pick unless they can turn stuff around. How is the Seattle fan base essentially as far as with maybe not just looking at the news or looking at this, is this kind of a spot where they're rallying around this team? Like the Sea link will be loud because we'll talk about this a bit later. But Cardinals, they've had very few problems at least going on the road for the past calendar year or so. And previously they've had a lot of success going up to Seattle do you expect at least that this is going to be kind of a thing that we see continue with the Seahawks or do you think that there could be a bubble about to pop potentially for some of this performance? Cause like you said, the Niners and the bears game, the thing I remember the most at least was you had that late interception of um, Trey Lance back before he got injured That ended up being a big reason why the Bears were only able to do a 5-play 21-yard drive to get into the end zone. So I think that's what a lot of Cardinals fans maybe are hoping for, or do you think this could just be, you know, you said the bad defense, a shootout for the most part between the Cardinals and the Seahawks. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I can't get a read on this Cardinals defense at all. I mean, there, there, there have been a couple of games where they've looked pretty stout. Now, of course, they should look good against Carolina. That offense barely exists outside of Christian McCaffrey. Um, They got wrecked by Kansas City on opening day, and I think it was poor game planning by Vance Joseph to just repeatedly blitz Patrick Mahomes. But they held the Eagles down pretty well up until that last drive, which it felt like the Eagles were just running the same play over and over again, and it was working. Um, So the Seahawks offense, I get the skepticism about whether or not this is sustainable, because when you think about the teams that they've played, you know, the Detroit Lions, terrible defense, one and four record, one of the worst in the league. Atlanta Falcons you know again they're not a good team they're not atrocious but that's another poor defense and those are two of the teams that the Seahawks have played where their offense looks really really good but against the New Orleans Saints the Saints are a top 10 defense by DVOA or at least at the time of, of that game I think they dropped 12th or something like that since then but they scored 32 and even though they were one of nine on third down um, they had so many successful plays on early downs that it shows you that there might be some way that the Seahawks offense can sustain itself. And I think it's not just Geno Smith and his ability to spread the ball, not just to his, his receivers, but his tight ends. He seems really comfortable with tight ends in ways that uh, go back to his days with the Jets. Like Jeff Cumberland is a name I've forgotten, but he he threw quite a few touchdowns to him. His very first touchdown pass was to the, uh, I believe, currently incarcerated Kellen Winslow, uh, Junior, but in Seattle, no offense, was one of the guys traded in the Russell Wilson deal. But Will Disley has sort of gotten back on track to what he was before his injuries, and you have Colby Parkinson finally breaking out after not being much of a factor. So I think that the Seahawks offense will be able to at least remain on the plus side of 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 good you know, on, on the good bad line. I think they're going to be. Uh, above average, at least for the rest of the year, as long as, you know, key players don't keep getting hurt like Rashad Penny. Um, And the offensive line's a major reason for that. I never thought I would say that. Russell Wilson leaves the pass protection, actually looks really good. And the two rookie tackles should get a lot of praise for it. Charles Cross, the first-round pick. But to me, Abe Lucas, uh, they're never going to give Offensive Lineman Rookie of the Year awards. But Abe Lucas has only allowed one sack, and that was mostly on Geno, kind of just drifting into Cameron Jordan. But offensive line play... In thought that it's not clustering Gino in any way. That he's just meeting a barrage of players and constantly have to to make hurried decisions. He's getting clean pockets, being able to step up and, and make quality decisions.
0: What's crazy is that you're correct in that a lot of people probably expected that this Seahawks offense was going to be bad, if not atrocious this year at least. And instead, we've gotten some pretty stable offensive line play, some of the most stable that we've seen in maybe since, you know, the 2015, when uh, before that, the Seahawks had spent multiple first-round picks, um, and Russ had those guys for that first run to the Super Bowl, and you see a huge struggle, just a dearth of talent from maybe, like, Know, 2016 on, just it felt like it was never the same for that offense. Even though his stats were great, so I'm curious at least as how you think the running game is going to look uh, without Rashad Penny. But before we kind of jump into that portion of the Cardinals matchup with Seattle, I do want to talk a bit about, and this is like, this is a can't stop, won't stop type of situation. What has been going on with the Seahawks defense? It's one of those weird places where normally it seems that the team always has an offensive issue. Uh, Instead, it seems like now instead you're seeing the Lions are putting up 45 points against your defense. And then the next week that Lions offense plays the Patriots. They can't get a point on the board. Now, granted, there's a couple guys who've gotten hurt before that game, obviously, but man, what is going on with this defense? Normally a Pete Carroll defense has been a cornerstone up in Seattle. So is this just a dearth of talent or, or is this schematic issues with the team?
1: I think it's a culmination of everything. I mean, they they switched to a full-time 3-4 scheme, 3-4 front, but they've been playing a lot of nickel, and I think it's part of the reason why they're getting crushed in run defense. Uh, but, yes, they're lasting yards per play. Um, they're, they're just giving up points for fun against not just off you know Detroit to New Orleans, but they've given up a lot of points to undermanned offenses. So you think about Arizona not going to have James Conner. I think. I think he was ruled out. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, this is the last game of his suspension. So you're down your top receiver. You're down your top running back. But that has meant nothing against the Seahawks because last week, Jameis Winston didn't play. Chris Olave got concussed in the middle of the game. Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry didn't play. So they were down their top three receivers, their starting quarterback, and they still put up almost 40 points. And then against the Lions, Jared Goff did play, but DeAndre Swift's two receivers were out And the Lions still scored 45 points. I believe they had touchdowns in their last five possessions of the game. So some of it is schematic, I feel, because Puna Ford and Brian Monet were, I think, really good against the run the last couple of seasons. But they're just getting washed out of plays too often this year. Um, But it's also just a lack of of, of top end talent. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of just a guys and guys who are liabilities. And the Jamal Adams injury certainly hurts because the drop off from him to um, Josh Jones for the first few weeks of the season before it got benched was painful because jones was just missing tackles poor, poor run pursuit bad angles it, it really was an ugly scene and they finally gave him the hook last week um, but for the seahawks defense this has been this has been threatening to happen for a while and it obviously doesn't matter who the coordinator is because they fired ken norton jr last season they brought in Clint Hur, promoted him from defensive line coach to defensive coordinator but it, still the last three four years they have gotten off to terrible starts defensively now The year before, uh, they got off to a terrible start. They seemingly fixed things. They were a a decent defense by the end of the year. They were giving up a lot of yards, but not a lot of points. Two years ago, more or less the same thing happened. But with the caveat, the 2020 team played a lot of backup quarterbacks and just really poor offenses in general. This year, that's not a difficult schedule of teams that they've been playing. And the fact that the Broncos are struggling to score right now and they still have their best offenses showing for the most part against Seattle— Think that tells you all you need to know. So if I were to tell you the Seahawks would be two and three through five games, you would probably nod your head, and go, "Yeah, that's about right." But if I were to tell you that they would be two and three with the number one offense by DVOA and the thirty-first ranked defense by DVOA, you would be shaking your head, like, "What? That that can't be." You, you even if you thought that the defense wouldn't be very good because they have a lot of young players and a lot of guys who are just not upper echelon players, that's fine. But you would think maybe twenty-six, you know, the twenty-first to twenty-sixth range of bad. 31st seems like it's kind. 32nd seems kind for the way that this defense has played. It, it has been ugly outside of Tariq Woolen, And Tariq Woolen uh, has been a revelation. I'm not going to say he's the next Richard Sherman because he has a different athletic profile. He's, he, he's an even better athlete than Sherman. He's faster. Um, he's he, he, a little bit taller. He's got great ball skills. And he has literally every interception the Seahawks have this year. Three. He's got him in back-to-back-to-back weeks. And he, if not for the fact that the rest of the Seahawks defense is so terrible, I think he would be getting more recognition as a serious defensive rookie of the year Canada. He has been that impressive. Nobody's thrown a touchdown his way. He's committed some penalties. So maybe that's uh, some early Legion of Boom influence there. But I'm fine with living with, I'll live with those penalties if he can be productive in the form of either not getting targeted a lot, which I think he's only been targeted 20 times through five games. And then when he is targeted, can he limit the plays or can he make a play? And so far, he has both limited big plays and consistently made big plays.
0: Yeah, and and that's been, I think, huge, at least for when you can have a late-round draft pick that's able to hit. I know a lot of Cardinals fans, we've spent plenty of time complaining about lack of rookies and young players being able to play. Uh, This year, Arizona fans kind of got their wish. It's been mostly all 2019 and 2020 at the addition, I think, of Zayvon Collins and Marco Wilson players on their defense after they have Chandler Jones walk. Um, you end up seeing, I think, Buda Baker being the one guy, essentially, who's you know the oldest defensive player on the roster who is drafted by the team. And the rest of Arizona has been a lot of veteran players, both on kind of the offensive side, especially the offensive line, and then on the defensive side. But the real story for the Cardinals this year has been the tale of two halves. Uh, The Cardinals have not scored a point in the first quarter all season long. And we're entering week six now, so you're talking about quarter of the way through the season. Not a single point. No field goals, no nothing. They had opportunities at times to kick some field goals. Missed it going for it on fourth down. They've essentially, since that Chiefs uh, game started have had the lead in regulation only into week four. Otherwise, it's essentially been a huge slew of offensive problems in the first half, followed by these ridiculous type of comebacks in the second half. Um, So let's kind of look at this now. The Seahawks' defense has been so far like a movable object. The Cardinals have essentially been a stoppable force in offense. Do you think that this is going to be something of a winner comes out like the Cardinals will continue in the first quarter to not score any points? Or is this going to be a place where, you know, the Seahawks are going to give up maybe the first touchdown or field goal that the Cardinals have scored in the first quarter all season? Who's going to win this battle?
1: This feels like the world's worst chess match. Like I'm begging for somebody to cheat here. This is the chess match where
0: everyone's a king. Like it's all these little kings moving one piece forward at a time, and then the other ones just oh, Sorry, you can't move there. It's it's check. Oh my bad. Let me let me move back here.
1: Yeah. So I, I, from what I recall of, of the Seahawks op- the Seahawks opening drive, defensive drives, they've given up a score every time. Actually, no. They they gave up a field goal to Denver. Gave up an opening drive field goal to field goal to San Francisco. Opening drive touchdown to Atlanta. They forced Detroit into a three and out on the first drive of the game. And then Tyler Lockett fumbled the punt and then Detroit got another possession and and scored a touchdown right after that. And then they gave up an opening drive field goal to New Orleans. So they they have allowed points in the first quarter uh, every time this season. And usually it's not been too difficult to to score on Seattle any quarter. So I think that Arizona is going to end that drought at some point. And some of it feels like randomness. I mean, the Seahawks offense didn't score a second half touchdown until week four Against against the Lions, so that there could be some randomness in the, in the the scoring distribution. And as far as Arizona's offense, um, it, it's been weird because I'm not I'm very much a Cliff Kingsbury skeptic, but at the same time, I feel like Arizona's offense will be more dangerous once Hopkins is back on the field. Um, it is very clear to me that dating back to last season, that offense just becomes so much less potent when he's not in the game. And even though Hollywood Brown has done his part and Rondale Moore is back from injury, something is not quite clicking. And I feel like having Hopkins, who is still an elite receiver, can at least get them going again because it, it's painful watching somebody as talented as Rondale Moore routinely get passes thrown to him behind the line of scrimmage. I, I really cannot stand sideways offense like that. It might work against the Seahawks, though, because the bad tackling, getting blocked out of plays, those those types of plays that have been no gainers or, or going for a loss against other teams... They, they might gain yards against the Seahawks. I mean, we're looking at consecutive weeks for this defense where they have not forced a tackle for loss on anything other than a sack. I mean, it, it's just been abysmal to watch, way worse than anybody had imagined. So I, I think we could get a shootout here um, be- between Arizona and Seattle because Kyler Murray, of course, is so difficult to to bring down, and the Seahawks' lack of a pass rush also means that if he wants to extend plays, if he wants to do – Uh, the the, the classic Houdini stuff that that looks like something straight out of the Cartoon Network, Um, he's more than capable of doing that. So I feel like the Arizona first quarter droughts will end. Um, But as far as winning the game, that that still could be up in the air because, you know, the Seahawks, I feel like their backs are against the wall because they can't be much worse defensively than they have been. Um, And then on Arizona's side, I mean, they can't keep winning on the road forever, can they? I mean, this is incredible that they've lost eight straight home games, and they have won their last, I believe, ten regular season road yep. games.
0: The only one that doesn't count is the playoff game against the Rams, right? Doesn't doesn't count, right? No. Uh, <laughs> that's the one time, at least, but in the regular season. And it's even gone further. Like, we can go over as far as for how strange it is, because I don't believe the Cardinals, and this goes back an incredible amount, Last year, they played the Seahawks. Their defense, they're down to cornerbacks five and six. Russell Wilson has maybe one of his best showings of the season and the Cardinals lose at home again to the Seahawks. They had not beaten the Seahawks at home outside of Russell Wilson's first NFL game, in which they almost could have won. It was just a tackle short of the line to go on fourth down or something driving into the red zone, and that was that 2012 Kevin Cobb, John Skelton, uh, the 58-0 game was what happened later that year. So you're talking about some crazy games that have gone on between these two teams, and usually it's like, man, like, Every last couple of years, I tell people bet on the Cardinals when they're on the road against Seattle and bet on the Seahawks to whoop the Cardinals at home. That's something that's going to be very interesting to see since, like you said, the Cardinals, I think, have had a goal of trying to be about maybe a 500 team without DeAndre Hopkins and seeing how they look when he comes back, as well as some of their young defensive players. Um, It's going to be very interesting to me to see exactly if this is the sort of shootout who kind of end up making more of these types of mistakes because... Right now, like you said, if the Seahawks' issue has been that they've struggled to stop the run, well, I got news for you. Arizona's top two running backs in James Conner and kind of his replacement that they had in Darrell Williams, who had been averaging about five-plus yards per uh, carry this year, are both going to be out for this game. So it's essentially going to be the Eno Benjamin and a couple of practice squad guys as far as the show goes because their fourth-string running back, Jonathan Ward, he's an IR, uh, is likely to have his season end. It's going to be interesting to see, at least as far as how that matchup goes, um, because, hey, if the Cardinals are down running backs, if it comes down to Kyler Murray and the smaller Eno Benjamin, man, are you still going to be able to get some move despite the fact that you, you're going to have guys off the street and have to rush the ball? Or, you know, I would expect some carries for sixth-round rookie Keontae Ingram, uh, who went to Texas and then USC. Um, I'm really curious, at least for each of those, because on the other side, you've got Kenneth Walker. And The Cardinals defense this year, if you want to kind of explain it, the reason I think for their inconsistency has been that they really haven't invested a whole lot of dollars into this defense. They are the lowest in 32nd in terms of spending on their defense as far as compared to the other teams. And a lot of it is because they let Chandler Jones walk at the edge rusher position. And they've been abysmal at the edge rusher position. They've got zero sacks on the season. They've had um, players who are probably at least maybe a good second pass rusher, have been the main pass rusher, and two rookies who have not played at all. The reason why their pass rush has still at least been successful is due to J.J. Watt and then the kind of explosive nature of Zach Allen on the interior. Uh, Watt and Allen are among the league leaders. I think Watt may be actually, if I don't remember specifically, I think he's actually, the, yeah, he's top six in terms of grade over-expectation. Uh, he's and Allen have been doing fantastic and they've also had at least not the most difficult assignment but they at least are essentially getting pressure at huge rates now that hasn't turned necessarily into sacks and so that's interesting that the Seahawks tackles have been so great because that interior line it it feels kind of like that's a little bit of a mismatch if the Cardinals could look to exploit that and get some pressure up in Geno's face
1: yeah, the guards have, are, are an interesting spot because Damian Lewis has had his ups and downs throughout his career, especially the switch to right guard to left guard. I thought he he struggled a bit last year. This year, um, he had a nasty injury in preseason where I thought, man, his season's over. Turns out it was just a bad ankle sprain and he he was able to at least uh, start playing again in week two. Gabe Jackson, I think, is his, he's the veteran of this offensive line and he has struggled um, and he struggled to stay healthy as well. In fact, he's not practiced... Uh, either on Wednesday or Thursday. So there's a very good chance that Phil Haynes, who subbed in for him in the Saints game, will end up starting at right guard. And I think Haynes has been a, a pretty uh, good uh, available depth at, at the guard position. Austin Blythe might be the weak link on the offensive line alongside Jackson. I think he's better than what, whatever PFF grade they gave him where he, it's like he doesn't belong in the NFL at all. But interior pressure, I think, is going to be more important for Arizona than than trying to, to beat Cross and Lucas on the outside. Um, and as I gather, Arizona's pressure rate, or at least their, their ability to get quarterback knockdowns and uh, at least get a, you know, a few hurries, that hasn't matched up with the fact that they're not they've not been able to get sacks. In other words, they can get to the quarterback or at least you know get him off his spot. But as far as finishing the play, it's kind of like the Jadeveon Clowney conundrum, where Clowney is known for getting tons of pressures and and his pass rush win win rate is pretty good. But in terms of actual sacks, it's not really there. So what I remember out of a lot of Cardinal Seahawks games, whether they win or lose, is that Arizona's defensive line pretty much mows down Seattle's offensive line and produces a ton of pressures, hurries, hits, and sacks. I don't know if that'll be the case this weekend, but uh, there is a way to to at least hassle the Seahawks offensive line, especially on the interior. And I, I think the key for Arizona is can they show up in the run in in the run game because. Even though Rashad Penny is, is out for the season, unfortunately, with that broken tibia, there's a lot of hope that Kenneth Walker II can immediately be a, a, a successful replacement. Is he Walker II or the third? I can't remember. Um, but we'll go with Kenneth Walker just to make it easier. I mean, the 69-yard touchdown run he had against the Saints showcased why the Seahawks were high on him. And in the open field, he's going to be a dangerous person to deal with. So um, much like Arizona, though, Seattle's running back depth is very, very thin because not only is Penny out, but Travis Homer, the reliable third down back, he's still on injured reserve with a rib injury. So if not Kenneth Walker, then it's DJ Dallas. And while Dallas is a bit of a preseason warrior, he, he looks great in preseason in terms of his actual regular season rushing success, not very prominent. He is good as a receiving back and and he can pass protect and he's very very solid on special teams but not exactly at the same level as penny has been or as walker projects to be so yeah these are two running games missing their running backs it's just a matter of which defense is is better at stopping the run, and right now that figures to be arizona on the basis of they didn't let two players give up this, uh get over 100 yards like the seahawks did last week that was the first time in franchise history that's ever happened they gave up 112 to Taysom Hill, even though everybody in the world knows exactly what Taysom Hill's going to do when he's in the game, and he's lined up behind the center. And they gave up 103 to Alvin Kamara, who's just back from from injury. So um, they also gave up over 100 yards rushing to Jamal Williams in the Lions game. And they gave Cordero Patterson his career high of 140 rushing yards. So there are opportunities for the Cardinals to to move the ball. And if nothing else for Kingsbury, at least over the years, um, he is pretty good as far as designing and an effective running game because I, I recall in his first year, the 2019 season, they couldn't run the ball at all. And then I think they traded for Kenyon Drake or something like that. And then by the end of the year, they were like second in, in rushing offense DVO away And that doesn't that that takes out Kyler Murray scrambles. So if the Cardinals' rushing attack can be on point, even as banged up as they are, the Cardinals fans should feel really great about their their chances because if they're being you know uh, up in arms over the 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 inconsistency of the passing attack don't really need to pass a whole lot if you can get five six yards of carry against this run defense
0: yeah and that's one of the things that's crazy as far as for like when you talk about these strengths and weaknesses lining up like the cardinals last week against the eagles uh their approach this year has really seen kind of two things. They've been able to get pressure. The linebackers have struggled quite a lot in coverage. So that would be something to watch the tight ends for, I think, especially. But Byron Murphy is actually having a breakout type of year. So far, they've held, uh, I believe, it was two catches, ultimately, for I think it was like 11 yards for Devontae Adams. They held Cooper Cup to four catches to 44 yards. And then just last week, you ended up seeing Dallas Goddard had the most receiving yards with eight for 95 And Devonta Smith kind of prayed, but they take A.J. Brown, who looked like at the first quarter he was going to be unstoppable quickly adjusted. He only had three catches for 32 yards. It's going to be very interesting to see because the Cardinals issue has not been taking away the best weapon for a team's offense. It's been really about that second weapon approach, which makes me think if they do decide to put you know, Murphy on the larger Tyler Lockett, figuring out what's going to happen with Lockett, I think is something that's going to be very interesting. And, and he, I know, was limited in practice today. So it's these two teams that have just been so beat up. And I, I think you're right. On There's not really a more different pair, I think, of backs in the league right now and Ken Walker who at one point was in the running for the Heisman a guy who can run a four three drafted highly in the second round which is probably where most running backs go and then Eno you know, Benjamin starting on the other side who's been a key piece of Arizona's offense but he was a seventh round draft pick he's kind of like an a local guy he almost didn't make the roster as a rookie he's had to kind of earn his way back into being the league and these are the two guys who are going to be getting the ball on Sunday and it couldn't be any more different Um, Speaking of rookies, I do want to check as far as for with the Arizona uh, Cardinals. I think a lot of this game may come down to, like you said, running the football. That's going to mean Kyler Murray's legs. A lot has been made in Arizona about how when Kyler Murray touches and runs the ball at least five to, to at least no less than 10 times, the Cardinals are usually likely to win the game. I think a lot of that can be forcing the defenses to adjust. Some of it also is, you know, you can see at least how the Cardinals have an attack that takes a quarterback like that and he's more special when you can put him on the move just because of that insane athleticism what about some of the other weapons in the Cardinals do you think that Rondale Moore for example is going to be one of those guys who can break tackles even if you know last week I think is the first time he was actually used on more downfield routes than he was screen routes of course he wasn't targeted on more than I think two of those downfield routes Uh, obviously the Cardinals have had a steady tight end and Zach Ertz has gotten a lot of catches this year who might be kind of, you think, the MVP for the Cardinals if there's one type of matchup they should be able to attack against this, Seattle Seahawks defense?
1: Yeah, so I look at the, the receiving situation for Arizona, and I think that if Kingsbury discovers that Rondale Moore is good enough to actually go down the field and, and not just be at the line of scrimmage doing an assortment of screen passes— um, he could give the Seahawks defense a lot of trouble, especially if he can exploit zone coverage. Seattle's been running a lot of zone coverages, and there have been a few busts in the coverage. And if Moore can get the ball in space, much like Hollywood Brown, extremely dangerous in the open field, and he has the speed to just catch and take off and, and make a big play happen. Um, Hollywood Brown, I expect to, to him to get his numbers, even if he's not matched up against Tariq Woolen like a, every single snap. I mean, on the opposite side, it's been... A mixture of Michael Jackson, Artie Burns, and Sidney Jones uh, at the other corner position. And it, yeah. it feels like Hollywood is going to be favored against all of those cornerbacks. Um, I'm keeping an eye on Zach Hertz. I know this is not peak Zach Hurts, but even peak Zach Hurts was not some insane tackle breaking machine. Uh, but the Seahawks have had some trouble dealing with tight ends. Um, they, they got a massive busted coverage against Ross Dwelly in the 49ers game that that went for a touchdown um Kyle Pitts probably could have had a much bigger game in 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 the Falcons matchup if Marcus Mariota had thrown some better passes and we noticed that one of the complaints for Atlanta has been why aren't, why isn't Kyle Pitts involved more in the offense. I Think also complaints from fantasy owners, but you know that's beside the point.
0: I have him in dynasty and today's the best and worst is like the best and worst feeling you get when you get Kyle Pitts in dynasty and you're like did I just make a terrible choice?
1: <laughs> yes. Um so what was I going to say the the Detroit game TJ Hawkinson um he had eight catches for 179 yards and two touchdowns including an 81 yard catch and run in which Cody Barton the the struggling Seahawks linebacker at this point pretty much played two hand touch on the sideline and what should have been a, a play for 15 20 yards almost turned into a touchdown and then they they gave up a touchdown to Adam Troutman the the Saints tight end on Taysom Hill's only pass of the day and it was a, another busted coverage because they had another option who was so wide open on the other side and Hill didn't see him so Ertz can, again, somebody who can exploit man coverage against the linebackers. More on Cody Barton. I think Jordan Brooks is better in pass coverage. Um, but yeah, Ertz could, could be a concern because of Seattle's difficulties defending the tight end. Rondale Moore, just because if Kingsbury can untap his potential and have him going a little bit more down the field, he can be a burner with Seattle's problems dealing with big plays. I haven't seen too much of Greg Dortch, but I assume that he's getting more run than A.J. Green because A.J. Green is pretty much done and all the, in, uh, all the the Hopkins suspension and I think more being injured had Dortch get more targets so it, it, you know has Dortch been like a, a, a surprisingly effective receiver as as like a third or fourth option or what
0: now he has been he was essentially the mvp of training camp in part because you know we didn't get to see a lot of the team kingsbury's takes much more of a you know don't show the offense to people kind of keep stuff hidden Um, and trying to rest a lot of his players. Some of it is you do have a lot of veterans on the team who are probably some, you know, 30-plus years as a part of it, whether that's offensive linemen or someone like, you know, an A.J. Green. But unfortunately, when it comes to some of the snap counts, like, Dortch essentially they see as a slot guy. He was actually getting some great uh, rolls down the field at a touchdown, um seeming like one of those guys you could almost tell they designed a lot of their offense without Hopkins to go through Rondale Moore. And maybe just whether it was confidence or whether it was just You know, Game design, at least, has been really difficult. It's like the Cardinals, when Cliff Kingsbury has scripted the plays this year, it's like they go nowhere, and then once they get to the unscripted part of the game, it's like they finally get into a rhythm and suddenly are able to make comebacks. But he played, I think it was like 3% or something of the... I'm looking at right now just to make sure. But yeah, he was only in, I believe, two offensive snaps last week. And Rondell Moore was tackled for a loss multiple times. Now He also, on 3rd and 17, caught a screen pass and gained 18 yards on it, picking up a first down on a play that seemed like it was sure about ready to punt. So it is interesting as far as with the Cardinals to be able to figure out, like, there seems to just be this weird area of you're not sure how much of it is just coaching and how much of it is simply just trying to make the most out of what's been ultimately a difficult situation. Uh, without Hollywood, uh, with, I should say, without Hollywood Brown on one side and DeAndre Hopkins on the other. Uh, Green, at least for the, what it's worth, he <laughs> he was in last week at least about, I think it was about 72% of the snaps. It's like we all know that he's dust, and yet the Cardinals have had Antoine Wesley, who is supposed to kind of be an A.J. Green replacement. He took over for DeAndre Hopkins last uh, last year i believe he's been out and essentially just went back or i guess you can say never came off of ir re-injured himself again he's had injury issues dating back to when he finally left college and they have not had any other size at the outside receiver they would even been talked that they may have to line zach ertz up as a ex-receiver at some point just because all of their other guys are essentially kyler murray size or smaller it's been a strange strange thing to watch when green went out it was essentially a five nine offense as far as receivers go with big Zacherts over the middle of the field. So this team has just been a little wild, at least. It feels like they've been trying to kind of hold on until Hopkins comes back, and we'll see exactly how much they adjust because uh, it's going to be one of those games that if there is an opportunity for the Cardinals and they aren't able to seize it in this game, fall to 2-4, and four, a game behind the Seahawks, Good chance they may be in fourth place in the division, and that would be a really tough place for a lot of Cardinals fans to be in, especially considering how weak the NFC West has looked so far this year.
1: Yeah, it is a must-win. I think more for Arizona because they're expected to at least be challenging for a playoff spot, whereas Seattle, I know our writer Tyler Olsen had said, you know, the record is irrelevant this year, and I agree up to a point. If this team really crashes to 3-14 and 14 or something like that, even with the offense playing the way that it has been, that um, tells me that this team is pretty far away from any reasonable contention down the line. But, you know, with the way that Denver is pretty much falling apart at the seams, I will enjoy the rest of the Seahawks season as much as I can. If they finish like seven and 10 or whatever, I'm cool with that as long as Denver is also not in the playoffs. Um, but for Arizona, like it, it really is a case where they already have a loss to the Rams. They can't afford to drop more division games. If they lose this, New Orleans is, is, is on a Thursday and then at Minnesota, Seattle again, and Seattle's normally been good at winning in Arizona, usually suffering a catastrophic injury in the process. At the Rams, and we've seen that Kingsbury's history with Sean McVay, not the best. Um, 49ers, the the first of two times, right? Chargers game is going to be difficult. They got Tampa Bay on Christmas Day. So Kingsbury's got the reputation for fast start and then totally fade out. Well, the best hope for Cardinals fans is that the reverse happens. You know, even if it's two and a two and four start or, or a three and three start, they can reverse their fortunes and, and make a playoff push. I think they're capable of it, but um for Kingsbury, the fact that this offense has not been all that consistent without Hopkins, if you're a supposed offensive mastermind, your offense cannot be submarine because the number one receiver's out. Like that that's that's what separates like the really, really great coaches from just the run of the mill pack, the at least the, the, the regular scheme guys. And Certainly Kingsbury's not going to be mistaken for Andy Reid anytime soon with the way that this offense uh, operates, but certainly against Seattle.
0: Hey, early Andy Reid, he had these late fades, would get trounced in the playoffs every year. Like that's always yeah. been kind of the funny area we've talked about, at least is a lot of it does come down to the quarterback. And I think Cliff Kingsbury is probably pretty glad that they did move on from uh, Josh Rosen for the most part, at least, since it was essentially the comparison a most Cardinals fan had was we got to look at Russell Wilson beating us, At least once, if not twice a year, looked at Kyler Murray and said, that's close enough. And so far, while there hasn't been, I think, the same payoff that you'd hoped for, it's been interesting to see Arizona at least kind of be able to build some sort of a winning culture. And they did give extensions for everybody, so it's that weird avenue of, gosh, it just feels like we're going to be talking about Cliff Kingsbury, Pete Carroll, John Schneider, and Steve Keim for quite a mile longer at least in this division which is you know maybe the best of news or the worst of news depending on your standpoint for each of those each of those guys
1: oh absolutely i mean kyler he, he deserves to get his money um the the drama over his uh, video game habits notwithstanding, it, it's a case of uh, can they build a better offense around him i think they can uh, there is a lot of talent on this Cardinals offense. It's just some of those guys are not coming back anytime soon for injury uh, injury related reasons. And then of course, Hopkins has been suspended, but for, for Murray to succeed, I think that the next step is just having a more aggressive passing attack. Um, I think, Murray, is it something like 5.2 adjusted net yards per attempt?
0: Yeah, he's at the lowest yards per attempt of any quarterback, and that includes the Pittsburgh Steeler quarterbacks. And it's very similar to 2019 when Cliff Kingsbury, Horizontal Raid, this was kind of their offense. And then in 2020 when they got Hopkins, suddenly they at one point were number one rushing in DVOA in 2020, and then you ended up seeing kind of that drop-off that everyone's talked about. It's going to be very interesting to see when Hopkins comes back how much of Kingsbury's scheme is kind of elevated by talent, or if he just, hey, players go out and make plays, and that puts some of those guys in a, a decent spot. We'll see if there's any other adjustments as well. But like you said, so far to start, it seems almost like the Cardinals have not been able to figure out a great cover two beater for the most part, and their offense and Kyler is kind of an explosive play type of a quarterback for the most part at least and by being able to keep him in the pocket trying to keep him not running we've seen the passing offense actually look better in ways like we've seen more throws over the middle we've seen a lot more as far as not just yardage and efficiency where at some point it'd be hard for Kyler to you know get to your standard 250 yard pass benchmark it seems like they're hitting that all the time it's just they're doing it because they're you know 10 points behind entering the fourth quarter
1: <laughs> yeah and Catch-up football—you uh, don't want to be on that every week. Although against the Seahawks' defense, if Seattle gets a lead, um, they have not been able to extend it. And the reason why you can't extend a lead is if the defense is giving up the lead. By the time the offense gets the ball back, it's not possible to to extend the lead again. I, I mean, I, I think I did a stat on the field goals Twitter the other day, and when the Seahawks have had a lead of any sort, so from one point all the way up to whatever their largest lead has been this season. The Seahawks defense has allowed a score on 60 something percent of their drives, which which is astonishing. So when the Seahawks have a lead, you would think, all right, time for the defense to pin their ears back, get a stop. Seahawks can get the ball back. And they've gotten a couple of turnovers. But otherwise, it's just been all right. Seattle's offense scored. You know, we, we might as well be nice about it. Let them score, too. It's a sharing society after all. And it, it has been befuddling because when the Seahawks have a lead, the offense, for the most part, you know, at least the last couple of weeks, they've been able to score and try and build upon that. But um, for, for Arizona, I'm taking nothing for granted. I expect Arizona to win. I, I know that they are road favorites, and I think it's justified because of this defense. I, I think the Seahawks are capable of putting up points against this Arizona defense. And this is a talented defense, at least in terms of like the upper echelon players. Buda Baker, one of the best safeties in the league. Byron Murphy, you mentioned earlier another excellent corner you your your team ends up with, with the good
0: Washington Huskies players. I mean it's it's annoying. I was about to say, like that I even had that note written down right here. If Seattle fans gotta be looking at two thousand seventeen, Malik McDowell one pick before Buda Baker, two thousand nineteen, LJ Collier just five or so picks ahead of Baron Murphy Jr., who looks like he's about to get a huge extension if he can keep up the play that he's had. It's just oh my goodness, i I just there's a strange connection that we have, at least for the most part, as far as with the Seahawks just groaning over how their team would pass on the these local products that just go on to thrive against them twice yes. a year
1: yes it is annoying as heck that this keeps happening but i think seattle can't put points in arizona if walker can build on build upon last week's success with that big touchdown run if gino can continue to just be dialed in and maintain the, the structure of the offense and, and make quality decisions i mean he, the, the concern that a lot of people had with gino is that he was a turnover machine with the jets and there's no two ways about it he was making some terrible mistakes but so far, even with the willingness to be more aggressive and take riskier throws, he's only thrown two interceptions. And it's not like he's been throwing a lot of passes that have been in harm's way that could be intercepted. So certainly it's going to be a different story against Arizona's defense and the fact that Murphy can, can, is capable of picking a pass up. Jalen Thompson, uh, I think another very good safety, and then you've got Baker. Yes, yeah, so it, the, you're, you're playing with fire against the Arizona secondary. So I feel like Arizona, Seattle's best chance to win is to try and attack the linebackers because I know um, both Zayvon Collins and um, Isaiah Simmons, right? They, they, they've, there's been a lot of debates over their use or misuse or some of their, their, their strengths and weaknesses against the pass. So if the Seahawks want to spam the tight ends of, like they've done for much of the season, maybe try and work those matchups because Will Disley, normally reliable pair of hands, and no offense, um, he he just had a big catch last week, and he's somebody that it seems like Geno has, has developed good chemistry with, and Disley especially. He's got great chemistry with. He's like 14 of 15 throwing his way. Yeah,
0: no, definitely, and that's one of the things that's going to be crazy as far as for seeing how, you know, the Cardinals defense is able to match up. And the, the biggest thing I think, we, as we kind of start to wrap up, at least I think I want to look at is also there's another factor that's kind of followed the Cardinals this year. And it's had to do with not just the health of the regular players, but also we've seen special teams have been an issue where Cardinals have been able to at least they had a fake punt last week. They converted. They at least have seemed to um, also had a game that started off, I believe, with um, a special teams error for the most part was one of the things that you had. We've really had issues with this new kicking situation. Cardinals last week probably have a chance to at least tie the game with a 43-yard field goal. Matt Prater, who's one of the all-time best NFL kickers, is hurt with the hip, and he's going to be out this Sunday. We've had some crazy, crazy stuff that's happened as far as with special teams, as concerned with the Cardinals and with the Seahawks. You go back to the 6-6 tie back in 2016, which everyone gets to forget about because, you know, Russell Wilson happened to be in both of those terrible games that we saw, one with the Broncos, one previously with the Seahawks. At least we can, you know, say there was a worse game that we saw. You get to have the 2020 game in which Cliff Kingsbury essentially ices his own kicker on what would have been a game-winning kick, and then you end up seeing them get it in overtime after a interception of Russell Wilson um, by Isaiah Simmons, and then you take a look at just... Uh, I believe the 2017 season, Bruce Arians' last Cardinals game, Seahawks kicker misses a field goal. Cardinals essentially get the win with a backup quarterback. Uh, we have just, like you, like I think you said, if the Seahawks, I think the national media says, have never played in a normal game, it feels like that the Cardinals essentially just bring that cardiac Cardinals, that heart just pounding, they bring that in and make these games just way crazier. How do you think the special teams is able to go? Since right now Cardinals fans have got about as much faith in Danny Amendola, as they do in a screen door on a submarine like it's it's just not going to work it's not going to hold stuff back as i think what people are feeling do you think that that could end up being an advantage for seattle this year
1: well i think danny Amendola might be a better kicker than matt Amendola, um
0: but yes matt Amendola. people want to give you know benjamin he kicked off and prater was hurt and he actually did pretty fine on the kickoffs he squibbed it a couple times like let let you know give it a check <laughs> Let the running back kick <laughs>
1: You know what? It, it's time to normalize having position players kick a field goal or kick an extra point. And Damacon Sue tried it one time when he was in Detroit, and he missed hilariously. But um, I think Justin Reed for for Kansas City.
0: Yep, he did that against the Cardinals this year, and he actually kicked it and made that extra point. He missed another one, but he did he did super he did super well enough not to give the Cardinals any type of edge back in that game.
1: Yeah, there's got to be somebody else on Arizona's roster who can kick better than Amendola. I don't even know why he got picked up in the first place. Like, Rodrigo Blankenship, I don't think, has been signed yet. And even with his struggles, Amendola is just conclusively a bad kicker. He misses so many kicks. And to to rely on him is really playing with fire. But yes, Seattle special teams hasn't been all that hot either. Uh, We had the disastrous either a fake punt or attempted rugby-style punt. Like, this is not college football, man. You just punt normally. And, of course, Michael Dixon ends up losing a ton of yards, gift the Saints a short touchdown. Um, Jason Myers missed a field goal a couple weeks ago. Um, he missed an extra point against the Saints. They, they've had multiple penalties uh, on, on wind punting that have turned down inside the 20 into an extra 10 yards. So, yeah, the, the situation with the special teams, not the best for either team at the moment. And then the return game for Seattle basically doesn't exist because Tyler Lockett is not the Tyler Lockett you remember from the first couple of years. Ever since the broken leg, which was against Arizona, of course, um, he, he's been very, very hesitant to try and take on tacklers. And I totally understand that. That's a very traumatic injury that he suffered. Um, so, yeah, special teams could be very, very important. Obviously, Michael Dixon, when he's not trying to do rugby-style punting, He is one of the the top punters in the league. But on Arizona's side, strategically, if you do not trust your kicker, that seems all the more reason to go for it on fourth down. And if Kingsbury is going to be more aggressive about that, then it really puts the Seahawks up against it as far as having to defend all four downs when they can barely get to third down on a lot of their drives. So in some ways, Amendola being such a shaky kicker may force Kingsbury to be more aggressive with his decision-making. And we know on the other side, Pete Carroll not the most aggressive decision maker you'll see when it comes to fourth downs and, and trusting the offense over trusting the kicker or, or, or trying to, to punt the ball for field position. So, um, yeah, the, the, the kicking situation for Arizona is as such that it may have a different impact in the sense that Kingsbury may say, we don't want this guy on the field at all unless it's to kick off or kick an extra point.
0: Yeah, no, and that's going to be interesting. Like uh, that for me at least looking at like everyone's like why did they sign this Amandola guy? He's kicked I think 2 of f- 5 he'd made I think from 40 yards or more. So now it's I think 2 of 6. So he's essentially just not good from 40 plus yards. And whether it comes down to special teams wanting to kick the ball into the end zone, whether it comes down to, you know, hey, we evaluated this guy from the tryout. He beat everyone else in the tryout. And we'll stick with him till Prater's back, and I say, well, you know, I can take a look at some film tape that in the actual game that may uh, overrule a little bit of, you know, what you saw in that practice. But some of it, I think, maybe just comes down to a little bit with the ownership too. There's been questions about whether being able to sign a guy versus Blankenship, who's been in the league since 2019, I think, or signing another veteran kicker may cost a little bit less to have them on the practice squad. So you know, if you're going to be bringing back another kicker or something like that, wanting to save money. I, I get it. But if it's you making billions over and everything, maybe I don't get saving 3K. It just seems a little bit ridiculous. But like you said, it is one of those places where the Cardinals get a redemption story from him. The GM can kind of pat himself on the back and say, see he told you this is why, you know, he made that game-winning kick for the most part. And if he ends up messing up, then it's going to be a spot where you can everyone can, you know, look at the... GM and just be able to kind of wonder why he decided he needed to put his ego out there. And that's just, it's kind of how it is at least with this uh, Cardinals team, unfortunately, is it seems like that you just, when you're kind of about to get some hope, you end up losing a little bit of it. Seahawks fans, I know can kind of feel very similar. So let's get out of here and talk a little bit about the score. I've got this as a game where I do think Arizona misses a field goal, but I do think at least that by, you know, potentially going for two in another spot, I've got this as a 37 31 type of game, I think this is one of those games that both teams are going to hit 30 points. I think that the Cardinals maybe could have a little bit more because I think that i just take a look at the track record of Arizona doing better on the road overall and being able to at least see how some of the strengths and weaknesses. I just feel like Arizona's going to at least get some pressure on Gino from the interior. I'm going to be very interested to see exactly how the Cardinals offense comes out, though, in that first quarter. I could see it be a case, though, and this is what we said, as a score prediction – how funny and sad would it be if the Cardinals lose 34-33 because their kicker missed two extra points? That That is something I could totally see happening as well. What, what are your thoughts for the game prediction?
1: Yeah, I, I expect the Cardinals to to have one of their best starts of the season offensively. I still think that the Seahawks will be able to to put up points, not at the same level that they were against New Orleans and against um, Detroit, but even if it's 23 or 24 points, that that's still you know, depending on the number of possessions, if they're like 2.7 points per drive and up, that's a really good showing to me. And that's how, when they lost the Atlanta game, people were bemoaning the the offense only scoring three points in the second half. They only had the ball three times because the defense was just giving up seven-minute drives for fun. So the, the Seahawks offense hasn't been the problem. It's that defense. And it's unfortunately the main reason why I'm picking the Cardinals to win this game beyond just the fact that Arizona just wins in Seattle almost all the time. Um, ever since 58, nothing, something just turned off as far as the Seahawks ability to win in the stadium against the Cardinals. And even when they have, and I think they won in 2020 when there were no fans in the stadium and they won in 2018. And that was a, that was the Josh Rosen Cardinals team. They were terrible. And Seattle still needed like a Janikowski field goal at the buzzer to win that game. And Seattle, I think still had playoff positioning to play for. So that was just ugly. Um, but I think that Murray is going to make a lot of magical plays with his legs. He'll be able to get out of the pocket, either run for first downs or or, or find somebody open down the field. Gino's going to do his best. Um, I think that DK Metcalf um, will have some difficulties dealing with Byron Murphy. I think Murphy will be matched up more with um, Metcalf than than Lockett. Um, Lockett will have some big moments, but it's not going to be enough. I think Arizona wins it something like 31-24, to so that means the over would hit. Uh, At this point, they they can't set the over high enough on Seahawks games. I think this one is at 50-and-a-half. Uh, on on DraftKings, so uh, I, I think that fifty and a half looks very, very tasty as far as hitting the over, just because of Seattle's defensive uh, deficiencies and the fact that Arizona's defense isn't terrible by any means, but I think they're not so great that the Seahawks' offense is going to sputter.
0: Yeah, no, and I think that's the biggest thing. I think you look at that's maybe the craziest thing is the Cardinals are statistically the thirty-second ranked team, I believe. In I think it's either EPA or DVOA, it's probably both for both like offense and defense. And then in the fourth quarter, they're like number one, it's one of the strangest (laughs) things of just like, okay. So like, as soon as cliff stops calling the plays and as soon as they make second half adjustments, they're great by the time it's the fourth quarter. So it's just, it's going to be fascinating. I do agree. That seems like it would favor Arizona a bit being able to, their defense isn't able to get a stop. I think that may favor Arizona, especially if like you said, they're able to get off to a slightly quicker start. Well, uh, as we kind of wrap up, if we want to plug anything, I know obviously we have SB Nation sites for the most part. Most people listening are going to be Cardinals fans. Um, At least we can tell the followers where you are. I know I definitely like to follow people, at least for the most part. Even I tell people who are Seahawks fans. It's been a privilege, I think, to watch Geno this year just because of how he's essentially been one of the best NFL stories and, honestly, best NFL players this week. We'll see how the Cardinals try to take him away. Where can other fans be able to follow your work and your content?
1: Oh, thank you very much. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mookie Alexander, where I will be... Uh, if, if Gino keeps playing like this, I'm just going to have to write a big I was wrong about Geno Smith article. I think a lot of us are eating crow, but I, I will be happily eating crow instead of just doing it spitefully. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter on, uh, on the Field Goals account as well, at Field Goals. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a game preview up. We'll, we'll have our predictions as well. The, the staff is pretty split on who will win the Cardinals-Seahawks game. And... If Arizona loses to Seattle, then uh, smile everybody on Revenge of the Birds because that means enemy reaction and is one of our staples on field goals over the last however many years. We don't get to do Arizona too often uh, for for, for enemy reaction because the 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 Seahawks' history of of playing Arizona in Seattle. But if there's any solace for Seahawks fans, last I checked, Colt McCoy's not starting this weekend. So there's some hope there. No Colt unless he absolutely needs to come in. Uh, well, Trace Spissorle the backup, yeah, right?
0: colt uh, Colts been on IR, which has been one of the craziest things. That The Cardinals are that team that it seemed like that when they started against the Chiefs. I told people, like, I'm pretty sure they're just going to wave the white flag this game because they don't have a chance in hell of being able to win. So they just kind of tried a bunch of different stuff. Like, sure, let's try out some blitzes here. We know Mahomes is going to kill us, but it doesn't really matter. And since then, their defense has actually looked much better. It was just interesting as far as... You know how that first week went. They had no J.J. Watt for that first week. He, of course, is you know ended up having an AFib, which is it's just been kind of this very very crazy season that's followed this crazy Cardinals off season. If they can come out of this at three and three, they'll kind of have hit what their expectations were. If the Seahawks f- come out of this, you know, at two and four, they'll kind of hit maybe slightly above what some expectations were. If we see the flip side, then, well, that's, that's going to get definitely some interesting things as far as Frenemy Reacts because that will definitely be a huge narrative for this division going forward. Uh, Mookie, thanks again so much for joining. Always a pleasure to be able to talk football, at least, with other people from our SB Nation sites. Uh, thanks again for joining.